there is a call that is going out. A call for my people to come home. A call for my family to be joined together. I am reaching out to you this morning. Do not neglect. Do not ignore my words. I am sending to you love and mercy in this moment, but judgment comes to the house. Understand and know that I am here in great power to meet your need, and I will complete it, says the Lord. But you must come to me. And you must turn from wickedness and evil. You must turn from hypocrisy and standards of two living lives. I'm here today to call you out because I love you, says the Lord. Return to me and I will be a father to you. Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's word title of the message this morning, I'm going to get right to it, filled and full, God in us, filled and full, God in us, I believe it goes right in line with our one church series and where we've been, and I couldn't have, we couldn't have had it any better uh, last weekend with Perry Stone, him being here with us, and every sermon, every message he preached was right in line with where we are, we had preached about why the blood the week before, and we were talking about the fundamentals and getting back to the basics. God had been touching us since we've been talking about the four points of our mission, our vision statement. And then it was like amazing how the Lord worked to guide us back to the basics. And boy, he gave us a lot of basic uh, understanding of scripture and the rapture and the coming of the Lord and all those things. It was wonderful uh, to have him here. Did you enjoy Perry Stone? Did you enjoy him? Want to while we're getting ready, and I'm not going to hold you long. I'm going to short Texas short, but I want to make sure you see this. This is our an entry form. It should be on your pew or in the pocket in front of you, or there's many out at the at the bookstore or at the welcome center. It's a prize entry form for the bookstore. Next Sunday we're going to be launching. Now I know it's been open for quite a while, but we're going to be officially launching the bookstore with its new name. We had a contest, if you remember, this last year, and somebody got a good name that everybody agreed was a good name, and it got voted on, and we're not telling you what it is today. We're going to tell you what it is next Sunday. It's something that's nostalgic. It kind of helps us remember who we are and where we've come from, and yet it also is a, is a, looks good on a logo. <laughs> but we're going to be uh, announcing that next Sunday, and there is a winner, and that person will be given a gift. But there's also a chance for you to win. I know, I know you. You fill out them Publishers Clearinghouse things. I know you get your magazine. I know you do. Anybody else like me, you, you go and you literally uh, go fill out those little cards at the mall to win that Cadillac. Has any of you ever won that thing? I have never. You, Richard, you didn't win it. I know what you drive and it ain't no Cadillac from the mall. <laughs> it's a nice truck though. It's nice. I want you to fill this out. There's a $75 prize coming next Sunday to somebody, whoever fills one of these out. So if you don't fill one out, you don't even get considered. But if you fill it out, you might be the one who gets that prize. So we want you to do that. It's all in honor of our new uh, bookstore grand opening, the name. And I'm so thankful for Kathy and Stuart Locke and how they have taken that bookstore and just loved on it and done such a great job. And so uh, thankful for them. And you want to go fill that out and be ready next Sunday as we announce the name and we make a, uh, 
a big launch. It's a big launch day. So God bless you. Turn to John chapter 7, verse 37. I want to thank all the volunteers. Boy, we have just, the serve the world uh, part of our vision statement has just taken a momentous change and turn. I'm so thankful for all of you that volunteered. We had over 100 volunteers last weekend for Perry Stone Conference. So I'm so excited and proud of you. Thank, thank you so much for doing that. We, I can't wait to announce the next thing because I know 200 of you is going to sign up. It's going to be awesome. All right. What are you laughing so much for? <laughs> All right. Now listen to this. Here, here we are. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly or out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified or had not yet ascended to the father. Lord, we ask your blessings on your word today. Make me a vessel to be used broken and spilled out for you, empty of self, so that we're all filled with you. Touch those who are hungry and thirsty, and may they leave this house satisfied today. Touch us together. Speak to our hearts by your spirit. Change us, fill us, and Lord, continue to save those who don't know you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Can I tell you, last week, many were saved. And many Sunday night were filled, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And can I bless you even further? In 9 o'clock service, people were filled, baptized with the Holy Ghost in the first service today. So it's exciting. It's wonderful. Because we are pursuing growth. We're serving the world. We're embracing God and we're connecting with one another. Turn to somebody, smile and wave at them. Say hi. You're connecting with them. There you go. Thank you. Now listen, you got to get this picture. I know you've read this scripture probably a lot, and you probably wonder about it. You know, on the last day of the feast, the great day. I mean, do you ever just do you just read that, or do you know what it's saying? Because that really changes everything about this scripture. Because you know, for years when I really just kind of read over that line, it would say Jesus stood up and cried out, and I had this vision of him going, "If anyone thirsts." Let him come to me and drink. But that's technically not the way it was that day. Listen. On the last day of the feast, okay, we know the feast was the Feast of Tabernacles. It followed after the Day of Atonement. This was more or less at the, at the harvest time. It was a, a time of celebration. It was a time where they, they did all these, these uh, ceremonies every day. They, it was a great time of of remembering and thanking God for the season, the season of harvest, the, the bounty that they had received. And, and it was also a time to remember, like communion, that it's not us, it's not because of who we are, but it's because of what um, God has done. God gave the rain, God gave the good ground. And so they, they came together in this celebration, this Feast of Tabernacles. And there was also a, a time when they would kind of leave their homes, and for those seven days, they would literally build little huts out of plant leaves and different things so that they could literally remember and humble themselves and, and live in that for seven days so that they would remind themselves that without the blessing of God, boy, don't we need that today? 
we need to be reminded that we are blessed of God and that the Lord gives us the roof over our head and the job that you have. You think you're so good. You think you're so smart, but you're not because God gives you every blessing and every good thing that you have. And he expects you to give him glory and honor and to remember where you get your goodness from. And we need to remember we're powerless to save ourselves. Jesus' blood and sacrifice saves us from sin. And we have the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us to walk and to move in this life, a life of victory. And so he's given us the promises that we need, everything that we need to be a success as we enter those pearly gates. And so we need to remember that. And as I look at this story again, and I, I read it a little closer, and I go to that Feast of Tabernacles, and I go, okay, I'm going to search my Bible and go to the last day. What was so big about the last day of the feast? Well, the last day, nobody did any work. They, the old town shut down. Everybody was just there doing the festival, and there was all kinds of ceremonies. The shofar was being blown. The priests were decked out, and there was all kinds of torches. There were menorahs that were all lit up everywhere. It was a huge, big festival day. And as they come to the end of it, there was the one of the last ceremonies was to get ready and to ask the Lord to provide rain for the next year. And so the priests would come out in all of their garments, and they would hold a silver bowl of water. And there was other ceremonies that happened in that time, but this is the one I want to point out to you. They would bring, Scott, this silver bowl, and they would walk around the altar, the altar where there had been sacrifices all week long, thanking God for the bounty and the harvest that they had had, that they had been given. And as they walked around the altar, he carried this silver bowl of water. And this water, he'd go around it seven times. And on the seventh time around, the shofar is blowing. And the people are cheering. And the festival is coming to an end. And then the priest at the altar takes the water, the silver bowl. And he pours the water out on the ground as the people begin to pray. And ask God to bless for the next season. To bring rain on their crops and on their livelihood. And that was the prayer. And this is all happening. And the pomp and ceremony is beautiful. And everybody is there. Jesus is there. And he's watching them as they're all caught up. Now, they've been following him from town to town. There have been miracles happening. There have been all kinds of things taking place. The word has gotten out about the disciples and Christ being the Messiah. And all this is taking place. And, and here is Jesus in the midst of this crowd, this festival. He's looking at them as the priest comes around. And he's holding this sanctimonious water in this silver bowl, this religious rite. And as he pours it out on the ground, I believe it was at that moment that Jesus, it says, he stood up and cried out. So he didn't just go, is anyone thirst? It says, he looked at all of their ceremony. He looked at all of their tradition. He looked at all of their rituals. And there he stood in their midst, the son of the living God. Why didn't they know him? Don't you ever wonder, why didn't they know him? People that sought God, that sought his word, that memorized his, his parchments and knew his laws. Why didn't they recognize him when he came? They knew 
Bethlehem, Bethlehem, you will be the place where he's born. Why didn't they remember Isaiah's words about a virgin and a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes? Why didn't they know him when he stood in their midst? And I think he saw all their tradition, all of their ceremonies, all of their rituals, and he stood there until they finally were like taking this bowl of water and pouring it out on the ground, and he knew, I'm the living water. And he stood up right in the middle of him and he said, if anyone thirsts, come to me and I will give him drink. He said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, you don't have to do this anymore, I'm here. There's a new way, there's a new living way, a wonderful, brand new way of finding God, of being close to God, intimately close to him. There's a new way, and he was looking at them, and they were rejecting, and they were ignoring the fact that he was standing right there in their midst. He said, it says he stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit. About the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified or had not yet ascended to the right hand and sent the Comforter. It's on the last day and he couldn't take it anymore. What an indictment against the church, that they didn't know him. And we, we know that story. We've seen it over and over in the word, in the gospels. We've seen it. But what an indictment against them. That with all of their religious acts, they cried out to God while he stood right there in their presence. And you say, how could they do that? Yeah. How could they do that? How could we do that? When he stands in our midst, when he comes in the midst of our praise, he said, I inhabit the praises of my people. When we understand that he longs to be with us, and so many folks are so caught up in their religiousness, in their laws, in their traditions, in all of their ceremonies, that they ignore the person of the Son of God. And I want to tell you this morning that that is the same thing that has been going on for generations. Now we have been given Jesus made it clear, I'm going to send you a comforter. Greater things will you do because I'm going to my Father. And when I go to my Father, I'm sending the wind of the work of God. I'm sending the fire. I'm sending the oil. I'm sending the water. I'm sending Him in power, the person of the Holy Spirit. He will be your comforter. He will be your teacher. He will be your guide. He will lead you into all truth. I'm sending Him. He has been with you, but He shall be in you. The Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 2 and 13 says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. 
telling you when we try to control it, order it, contain it, when we try to manage it, every time we do, we blow it. There is no way you and I can make this pursuit of growth in God happen through our own means. We must surrender to him in every way. Part of the fundamentals I want to talk about this morning is being filled and full. God in us. We are a spirit-filled church. We believe in the powers of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. We believe in being baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We believe in the working of operating gifts in the church by the Holy Spirit. He, but yet at the same time, and I don't know what kind of background you have, I don't know where you come from, but I know that the Holy Spirit, if you would join me for just a minute in, in discussion, the Holy Spirit is arguably one of the most misunderstood, debated, and even ignored members of the Trinity that there is on earth right now. There is no area of contention or divide greater than the Holy Spirit. And if we really think in terms of these last days, the confusion in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, I mean, you've got camps all over the place. You've got churches that believe different things. And, and I tell you, it's, it's almost crazy the way the fights and the debates and the arguments take place over theology of the Holy Spirit when that is not what he meant to happen when on the day of Pentecost... A sound of a rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were assembled. And the power of the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And in that moment, life changed. The church was literally born in a whole new way of doing great things for God. Living for God and witnessing for God took place. But it only makes sense that we're in the last days and and that the Holy Spirit was going to be the target of the enemy. It only makes sense. Now, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey. I'm planning on preaching the rest of this tonight, so I hope you'll come back at 6 o'clock. We're going to discuss the Holy Spirit all day long. But I'm believing that when we're done today, you're going to have such a desire. We had folks step forward in the altar at the first service, 9 o'clock service. You don't even think people pray at 9 o'clock, but they do. But they came in this morning and people were baptized in the Holy Ghost in that first service. And that, this is a powerful message that we've got to get this morning. The Holy Spirit, it only makes sense that the devil is going to naturally attack the Holy Spirit. This is something to build your faith actually in believing in the Holy Spirit and believing more about him and the theology of what the Bible actually teaches concerning him because it's, it's something else that the thing that is most divided in the body of Christ is what is the role of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. If I was a good devil, I would, and I'm not, so I'm going to take that completely out. If the devil were a good devil, then he would attack the one who's here on earth. Isn't that always just kind of been his way? When Adam and Eve were in the garden, what did he do? He came to Eve and he questioned, what did the Father, what did God say? Did he really say you couldn't eat of every tree in the garden? He attacked the Father. The Father, God, was, was who was working, the, he would walk with Adam in the cool of the evenings he was there in the garden he would take care of him it was he was working in the earth 
And then we jump forward to the promise of the Messiah. And the moment the Messiah was born, King Herod was in the palace being used of the enemy, trying to kill children, who anybody two years and younger, he was bound and determined the enemy was, the real enemy, which is always the devil, amen, who is always out. He, then he moved. His tactics left Old Testament theology, so to speak, and he moved to the Messiah. And immediately he started anointing people to attack and to come against the Son. He was after the Son from the time of Herod in the palace all the way to Bethlehem and Nazareth, all the way to the cross of Calvary where he still tried to get him clear down to the time when Jesus went walking down into the caverns of hell. He, let, he was standing there when Jesus looked at him in the middle of all that and said, give me the keys to death hell in the grave, walked back out, resurrected from the dead, and then the devil knew he had lost that fight. What happened? Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he said, go, go to Jerusalem, tarry in the upper room, and when you get up there, wait. Wait until you are endued with power from on high, because I'm not leaving you comfortless. I'm coming to bring the gift of the Holy Ghost to you, and he will be with you and in you. And in that promise and in that truth right there, the devil immediately changed his tactics. He turned away from Jesus and he started attacking the Holy Ghost. Now, all these years later, the Holy Ghost has been attacked from the upper room all the way to this morning, all the way around the earth. He is attacked because everybody's sitting back debating and arguing and fussing and fighting over what is the role of the Holy Ghost. We ought to let the parakletos be the gift of God that he is. He's not really a wind or an oil or a, a water or a, or a fire. He's none of those things. Those are the effects of him being here. Let me remind you about something. He is the third part of the Trinity. He is the Godhead. He is right there next to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He is powerful and mighty, and he is a person. I feel fired up. He's a person. The enemy's tried his best to divide the body of Christ over him. And I got to give it to him. That's the plan that anybody would use. But do you not see? He's attacked. He attacked the Father in the Old Testament. He attacked Jesus when he came all the way to his death and resurrection. Then he walked out on that. And then he found out something was happening in the upper room. And in the upper room, he decided, well, I've got to do something there. And since he couldn't do anything about the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit, he couldn't do anything about the prayer language of the Holy Spirit, he couldn't do anything about the working of the Holy Spirit in the heart of sinners because people are still getting convicted, still feeling the presence, still being drawn, still being healed, still being delivered. The work, the agent of the Holy Spirit is still effectively working in the world. So the only thing the enemy could do is try to deceive the church. So he deceived the church, and he's got everybody fussing and debating over what is the role of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be open this morning, because we're going to try to trail, and I've got nine minutes. We're going to try to trail through this thing, and I'll pick it back up this evening. I don't know why. Well, yeah, I do. I mean, I just explained why. <laughs> but if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, Oh, let me entice you to be open this morning. How many have been baptized in the Holy Ghost this morning? 
I'm telling you one of the greatest things that ever happened to me, and that's why you hear date and time, July 2nd, 1981. I'd been saved many times in youth camps and revivals. I'd made commitments over and over again, but it was that night when my life changed. W.P. Atkinson was preaching about the Holy Spirit, and as he did, I was like, oh, no, it's Holy Ghost night. I was so much better about that when I was younger. My mom had us all six kids. We have to trail to church for revival. I didn't want to go. I created every reason under the sun not to go. Yeah, I know y'all think I was born speaking in tongues, but I wasn't. I was bad. Clear up until 18 years old, I didn't know what I was coming or going. And I'd create all kinds of lies. Sorry, Dad. He'll punish me later. <laughs> I created all kinds of situations. I'd be at work working at Best Products on Salem Avenue, and I would call my mom and say, oh, Mom, I can't come to Revival tonight. I'm sorry. Oh, baby, I wanted you to go tonight. It's Holy Ghost night. Yeah, I know, Mom, I can't go. And I'd, I'd get off work at 5 o'clock like I always did, and I'd go to the mall and walk around till I knew she was gone. Then I'd go home, get me a bag of Doritos and a Coke, and I'd sit there and watch TV. Until she come home, how was the service, Mom? Oh, it was great. I was bad. I was bad, but I was also under conviction. I was raised up in a house full of the Holy Ghost and power. My mother would be shouting in the kitchen, cooking macaroni and cheese. She was one that prayed morning, noon, and night, kept her body. She didn't go in her closet. She prayed in the living room right there in front of all of us. We grew up that way, and that's why I believe all six of us kids are serving God today and involved in ministry because somebody was unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in that process, uh, I, I, I was, here I was, I was stuck in the camp meeting, he's preaching, and I, I, I had gotten saved, so I was doing better, and I, but I, did, I wasn't sure about the Holy Ghost thing now, I wasn't really ready for that, I, I, look, I'm just trying to live right right now, I don't need to do that, that's big. But yet, W.P. Atkinson began preaching, and as he preached, he started talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. He started talking about the comforter and the teacher and the guide and how he'd help me and he'd come alongside of me and he would strengthen me and be with me. He'd, he'd be real close and intimate with me and I would be praying and all of a sudden I'd pray an inter intercessory prayer and I'd begin to pray and, and be able to be used mightily and I kept listening and listening and he was like, don't you feel him? You need the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to preach like WP. He'd say, you've got to forget that old Ohio language and you've got to let the Holy Ghost talk through you. You've got to let your mouth get like a clapper on a cow, on a bell. He said, you've got to let the let loose and let the Holy Ghost have his way. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm feeling the presence of God. I'm about to rip the seat in front of me. And he's going, don't you feel him? He's here. He wants to baptize you right now. And I'm like, I know. I know. I can't leave. I can't move. And I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting, and I'm sitting, and I'm sitting. He said, you better get down here. I said, I'm coming. I stood up. Went down and got filled with the Holy Ghost, hit me in the top of my head, went to my feet, came back out. I started speaking in tongues, and from that moment forward, my life has never been the same. And it ain't weird, it ain't dumb, it ain't stupid, it ain't debatable, there ain't no argument for it. I just know the Comforter, the Comforter, He abides, He abides. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
And I don't know why you're not filled. Maybe it's fear. Maybe you're de- you've dealt with fear. Maybe you grew up in a doctrine where they taught you that we were all bad. You know, I always used to wonder as a young man, how is it that you're seeking God and you want you get saved like everybody else? You sing Amazing Grace like everybody else. You, you're following the precepts of the Word and trying to live right. And you're following all the Word and the prayer and the fasting and you're doing it. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, as you're pursuing like every other evangelical Christian, you finally get to this one place where all of a sudden all the evangelistic folks they stop and look at you because in my seeking and in my pursuing of God all of a sudden I crossed over into demon possession (laughs) I've heard preachers say it stay away from the Pentecostals stay away from them they're of the devil they'll do all kinds of rituals on you you don't want to go up there (laughs) when I was a youth pastor here we had hundreds of kids coming on Tuesday night I had a, a pastor who had a, called a meeting with his parents because we were packing in kids from 11 different churches in the community, and we weren't trying to, we weren't trying to steal them. As a matter of fact, we'd call up their church. We'd put their whole church in a circle, and all of our kids would pray for their church and their youth group. We, we had a good heart. We weren't trying to steal nobody, but they were packing in like crazy. It was awesome the way they were coming in. One pastor called all the parents, called an emergency meeting. And the mother, one of the mothers called me on the phone, and she said, Pastor, I need to tell you that my pastor called a meeting of all the parents and warned them not to let their kids come up to that youth group up on the hill. Don't let them go up in there. That's devil stuff, and they're terrible. And she said, all he did was just rag on you and talk bad about y'all and tell us how it's all from the devil, the devil, the devil. She goes, but he didn't quote one scripture. She said, could you please give me a couple scriptures that would defend your case? I sat there and I started talking about the comforter and the Holy Spirit, how he has come. I read Acts chapter 2. I read about how the promise is for you and your children and your children's children and to all them who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I read Acts chapter 1 and 8 where it says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. I read one scripture after another. Next thing you know, she's crying and she's, she's telling me, I'll be there Sunday with my daughter and we're going to go to that church. And you know what? Let me tell you the rest of the story. That family got in, got in there. Her daughter, Leanne, went to Lee, married a Church of God preacher, and they're pastoring in Mississippi this morning, preaching the Church of God, Spirit-filled doctrine of the Holy Ghost. The Lord... The Lord means to do good for you. He means good for you. Have you ever truly pursued the person of the Holy Spirit? There are these two camps that we all talk about. And I've narrowed it down. There's a lot of weirdos and crazies out there, but we don't talk about them. You know, we're just talking about the two major camps of the smart people. (laughs) It's this camp over here that they seek the Well, the Holy Spirit is for the fruits of the Spirit. Absolutely. It's for the pursuit of righteousness and holiness, holy living. Yes. The Word. To focus on the Word. Absolutely. I totally agree. But don't cross that line. None of those miracles, signs, wonders. None of those prophetic things. No, 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 no. That's over. So the Holy Spirit is to keep you from sinning. He's to keep, he's to be your friend. He's to anoint you to do good works of serving and kindness and love. And you know what? They're right. He is. 
And that's what I love about it. I love about the other king. But then there's this other king where it's all about the gifts. It's all about the sign. It's all about the prophecies. Ha! It's all about the, the, the moving, the mysteries, the mystic kind of atmosphere. It's all about the charisma. It's all about the shout. It's all about the jump. It's all about the run. And you look at both of these camps, and yes, that can be very good. And you, but it's like you feel like you have to pick a camp. When in reality, I don't think we were ever meant to just pick the gift basket and throw away the fruit basket. I feel like we were supposed to grab the fruit basket and the gift basket come together. I feel like there should be signs and wonders and miracles. We've seen them happen right here in this house. I love watching a good old spirit-filled Christian shout under the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this last weekend when a brother of ours took off running across the front of this church. I know what he's been through this last year. I knew he was getting victory from heaven. I love to see the expression and the power and the manifestation of the spirit in the life of the believer. But I also love it when you know what you're shouting about. And you know the word of God. And you're living the precepts of God's word. And you have holiness in your life. You see, the problem we've had is because there's been two different camps. You've got all these people over here who are scared to death of them. And these people over here who think that they're no good. And they're rotten. So we don't take from the fruit basket. And we live our lives jumping and shouting and running and screaming. A lot of immature people do that. And they end up not, not any deeper than three foot into the pool. They, they're shallow in their relationship with God and many times you've seen where those folks have very shallow experiences with God and they don't live that deep life with the Lord and they're not folks who are given to deep theology and studying the word and living a holiness and a righteous life you know we, we sometimes in the Pentecost not everybody because there's tons of great folks filled with the spirit that love the word of God and I know them they're here in this house and it's not like I'm typifying all Pentecostals because we are a spirit-filled church but I think sometimes when you're in the family, you can talk about what's wrong with the family sometimes, can't you? Sometimes we, we care more about the shout than we do what we're shouting about. And that that's, comes with immaturity because we like the emotion and we like the feeling, even though I had the feeling and the emotion when I, I got filled with the Spirit. But I want to be one that can, un, that, that can untangle the mess that's been created by the enemy who wants to create deception in the body of Christ. And I want to... Bring it all together, both sides together. I want the fruits of the Spirit. I want to live in holiness and righteousness. I want to I be someone the Word of God is a passion and a love for me. I want to read those words and memorize those words. I want to have them in my life. I want to know when it comes to the coming of the Lord. I want to be able to say, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also 
I want to be able to quote the scripture. I want to be able to tell you that that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to be able to tell you what the word is and what it means to our lives and who we are with the word of God. I want the Holy Spirit to guide me into truth. I want him to guide me in spiritual wisdom. I want him to help me in my life to walk a straight line so that when I do shout and jump, and you know I do, when I come down, I'm walking a straight line out to my car. I want to know that I know that I know I have fallen in love with the word. Word of God, the Father of the whole of the creation and the Son, and I want the Holy Spirit residing in me with fire and power and signs and wonders, and I want to see the manifestation of God in this world. I want it all. Is that okay? I want it all. I love Scott Jackson. Scott's like, don't you dare. Yeah, I'm going to. Stood about right here. He come down here Sunday night. I saw in his face, newly married, you'd have thought he had had other things on his mind. <laughs> his pretty wife standing right behind him. And he stood down here and looked at me. He came down for the Holy Ghost. And when he came down, he looked at me. He had fire in his eyes. It was already a done deal as far as I was concerned. And we began to converse and talk just a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he got broken. His spirit got broken. And God put something in his mind. And he opened his mouth, and the next thing I know, he first started, man, I felt the tremor on him. The power of God was all over him. And the next thing you know, he's speaking in the most beautiful language I ever heard in my life. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I am just in, in awe of God. I'm looking, I'm looking at this little Nazarene boy who had been raised up, you know, in and, and a wonderful church where they taught him the word, and they taught him all those things. But, but you know, he never really had some strict doctrinal teaching about the Holy Spirit so he had questions about that and, and it wasn't, that's not to be, that's not one of them churches, that's just a church where he came from, a good church and he, but he came down and he had questions and concerns about that because there's good Baptists and Nazarenes and First Church of Gods, there's a bunch of good folks out there that, that, that don't necessarily teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we do and so he came down, he wanted that experience, he believes in that experience but he had a lot of questions, he had those questions answered and the next thing you know how the power of God hit him and I heard him for myself as a matter of fact I was so excited Holly I looked at you and Jim and I said get up here get up here you have to see this and they come around and Jim looked around and I think by that time had Jim already received the Holy Spirit over here because guess what on that same night father and son both were filled with the Holy Ghost and the evidence it's awesome and old mama who had already been baptized in the Holy Ghost, she just stood back going, well, yeah, mm-hmm, all right. She's having a time back there watching her family. Amazing when you see the, the fruit basket and the, the gift basket all working together. And I never even put that in my notes. That came to me, so there you go. That's a good little, all right. I have to quit. I have to quit. I have 23 pages and I'm on page 11, so I'm going to bring it up tonight. They crossed the great divide coming from traditional non-Pentecostal backgrounds to understand, to dare to believe that the Holy Spirit that drew them into salvation, drew them into the waters of baptism, would also baptize them with fire. Not let the debates and the arguments the enemies put in the path of all of us stand in the way. I want to talk more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the revelation that it brings to us. And I'm going to do that in tonight's service. But for right now, I want you to stand with me. He's a person. 
He's to be admired, to be honored, and to be loved. He's a person. He's not quirky. He's not weird. He's not strange. He's a third person of the Trinity. And he is so valuable. He's such a treasure. By that night that I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, I, I had all the fears. I'd heard all the arguments. I was a guy, and when I was 17, I went down to University of Dayton. I went looking for books. I was finding, trying to find books that I could to, to prove that it was wrong because I, I wanted my mom to quit preaching to me about it. I told you I was bad. But in the process of trying to prove him wrong, I found him. And boy, I tell you, that night I was singing, The Comforter abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way. For the Comforter abides with me. Tears dripping down my face as I stared up at the ceiling. I was actually staying at my grandma's that night. And I was staring at the ceiling in that house. And I think I laid awake all night long. I just kept thanking him. I walked into work the next day and all my co-workers, Karen Huffman, who was a great uh, uh, Catholic lady, she was a great friend. She was standing by the register and I walked right over to her and I said, Karen, I said, I got filled with the Holy Ghost last night. I spoke in tongues. And she was just like, really? (laughs) He didn't come. He didn't come to make you weird. He came to empower you. That prayer language, I'll never forget when my mom was sitting with my grandmother. We were in the living room and my grandmother was blind and she was sitting there knitting an afghan. and She didn't know and all of a sudden my mom jumped up, started speaking in tongues and ran back to her bedroom. Got on her knees and I heard her in there wailing, praying in the Holy Spirit. A few minutes later, the phone rang. Out she came like a dart. I was like, wow. I was scared to death. I didn't know what was going on. She went to that phone. She picked up the phone. She said, hello. She couldn't hear. Somebody was screaming on the other end of the phone. She said, I can't hear you. I don't know what you're saying. She hung up the phone. They called right back. It was a paramedic. He said, are you Mary Phillips? Yes. Your sister's on the side of the road. Her family has been in a terrible car accident. And she is screaming for her sister Mary. And she said, where is she? Hope Road, all right, we're headed there. I got in the car with her. We flew over to Hope Road. We got there. When we got there, my Aunt Patty was on the side of the road. Mary was in an ambulance. Her daughter, who sings here, you know Mary. Mary's sitting right over here, was early at the first service. They thought Dave was dead. And Mark was hurt. And Mike was hurt on the side of the road. The car had been mangled up and was just a disintegrated piece of metal. But the Holy Spirit had interceded and prayed at the moment of the accident. And I just to make a long story short, I want to tell you, every single one of them walked away from that accident. You see, the Holy Spirit, he says, you'll pray, you'll intercede and pray with utterings and groanings that you don't even understand. You'll pray a direct line. Straight. The, the, the idea of tongues is such a, a masterful thing. It can be abused. There have been people that have abused it. Weirdos, psychos. 
I always say God's not weird, but some people are. He does things decently and in order. And when someone's genuinely, if you'd have been standing in front of Scott Jackson's face the other night, all I could think of was how awesome it was. I wanted to hear him. I I saw the tears rolling down his face and the language that was coming out of his mouth. And I was like, oh boy, heaven just came to your house. It's beautiful what I saw in his face. It was a glorious thing. He's texted me several times this week. His life's totally changed. It's totally different. He's like a whole new man, and you will be. That's what happens, man. It, it isn't that you get more saved. You know, that's another one of those devil lies, the debates. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary. You are never any more saved or less saved. But what happens when you have the Holy Spirit is that he gets more of you. You. You're completely surrendered in every way. Lord, use, you know, we sing the song, if you can use anything, Lord, use me. Well, when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you're saying all of me, Lord, like baptism in water. It's just all, just dunk me completely in. I'm not going to work it myself. I'm not going to hew out broken cisterns for my own. I'm not carrying this living water in myself. I want you to sanctify this vessel. I want you to hope, make this vessel filled with your spirit. I want you to touch my life. Now I want every head bowed and every eye closed. We prayed a prayer earlier for people to get right with God. So I'm going to ask you this morning, is there anybody in here that we could be praying with? You say, I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I, I, I hear you. I want him to fill me with his Holy Spirit. Are you here? Would you just slip up your hand and write back down? All right. There's several hands going up in the congregation. If you would, I want you, our ministers are going to come into the altar. And as they come now. I want you to just step out and meet them in the altar. We're going to pray with you. We'll stay here as long as you want to. The rest of us, we're going to pray that we are renewed in the Spirit of God. That He touches our lives and He helps us to be stronger. We need a rekindling of the fire of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. So as these come and as we pray, if you want us to pray with you this morning, we are willing and we want to do that. And so we'll do that now. But as we do, let's pray. Would you... Right now, wherever you are, just help me. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. As a pastor, I pray over our church. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have a true understanding of what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that in these last days, as never before, with the world as wicked and evil as it is, we need the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit coming alongside of us. We thank you for salvation. We couldn't be saved if the Holy Spirit hadn't drawn us. We thank you that he's been with us, that he guides us and helps us all along our way. We thank you for the ways we're being filled as we get to this place of baptism. And I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit where there is power to overcome in this life, to live life in victory and to live in such a way as to see more clearly and to understand you more dearly. I thank you, Lord, for that power. I thank you for the Holy Spirit's baptism this morning. Touch every man, woman, boy, and girl. May there be a rekindling and a reviving of desire and hunger for the Spirit of God in this church and in the body of Christ at large. We pray this as we look for your soon return. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to be here in the altar to pray with anyone who'd like special prayer this morning. Please, you're welcome to come. If not, we'll see the rest of you at 6 o'clock and we'll pick up. We'll talk more about the Holy Spirit. God bless you. They were